listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. The Pharmacy Podcast Network is proud to bring you up-to-date trends and innovative information from our host, trusted sources, and monthly guests led by Dr. Gail Lebovic. We're covering important topics and bringing health and wellness to your community by bridging the gap between pharmacies, physicians, and patients. This monthly podcast is sponsored by Silicon Valley Innovations, makers of NasoCleanse. Hey, this is Todd Yuri, Pharmacy Podcast Network. This is special. We have expanded, and this is the first time that I'm making this announcement with our new um, source of of information and, and client to the network. Um, I, I'm, and this is the first time we've done this with a new client at a live conference. But Dr. Gail Lebovic um, with NasoCleanse, a new a new provider of new content for our network for our pharmacists, and you are attending a conference live. So I want you to tell our uh, listeners of your coverage at this event and um, why you're there right now. Hi, Todd. Thanks again for, for having us. This is really new for me too. I'm down here in Nashville at the American Academy of Otolaryngology, which as you might imagine, is a little strange for a breast surgeon. <laughs> but all I have to say is upwards and onwards. So it's been an interesting experience for me. We're here with NasoCleanse exhibiting for the first time. And uh, I've asked a colleague of mine, Dr. Keith Matheny from Dallas, I've asked him to join me today because we've made a bunch of interesting observations here. Uh, there's some new technology and mainly we're here to try to bridge that gap between the physicians, the patients, the community pharmacies, and just try to, you know, help people as much as we can. So we're going to have a casual conversation about the ear, nose, throat area, and allergies and all sorts of things. Thanks for joining me today, Keith. You're welcome. And no, we're not going to talk about breast surgery. So I, I stop I stop at the collarbones. I don't know anything else. Like so, I said, upwards and onwards. That's right. Upwards and onwards. Moving on up. <laughs> So I, I'm curious because uh, many of our pharmacists are now being introduced to NasoCleanse and we're, we're so, I'm so excited to have found you um, at the NACDS and so several other conferences that we've done some partnership with, but this is the first time that you're able to really cover this for us. Tell us a little bit about the conference, um, just from a perspective of kind of the, the, the temperament, the excitement, uh, and maybe even some focus of what this industry, what this sector of healthcare is focused on right now. Yeah, as I mentioned, you know, I come from a surgical background and learned that the nose is kind of a dirty place. It's kind of a repository for germs and allergens and toxins. And as you know, poor air quality has been in the news recently. We can talk about that in a little bit. But I started wondering why we're not cleaning our noses on a regular basis, just like brushing our teeth. And so we came down here to the conference. It's our first time. And no surprise, uh, there are lots of products and tools for patients with chronic sinus issues nasal congestion, chronic sinusitis, uh, and I'm sure Keith can speak to this, sleep problems. I mean, this is a huge impact on patients' lives. So 
uh, every day I'm kind of amazed at how big this interest industry has the potential to be and what, uh, you know, I think it's ripe for innovation. And I'd love to hear your perspective, Keith, because you're in the trenches. In the trenches. I'm in the, in the nostrils, in the boogers. Right. So um, (laughs) your, your point is well taken. So again, it's hard to introduce Gail on a short podcast because of all that she's contributed to medicine at large. But we in the ear, nose and throat space are so lucky to have her innovating in this space. Thank and, you. And she and I joke about the nose is, is really a filthy part of the body. The only thing worse is the mouth. So the mouth is dirtier than the other end of the digestive tract. So yes, it's dirtier than what everyone is thinking. And so the nose is close by and similar when you actually look at it from a microbiology standpoint. So again, as Gail does, she looks at things from a new perspective and wonders why we tolerate that. We do, we, we brush our teeth, we take a shower, we have all these hygiene things, we wash our hands incessantly now after the pandemic, but most people just leave their nostrils alone. And that's true even in the ear, nose and throat space. So my specialty is, much of it is practiced in the office. We do so many relatively minor but invasive procedures where we're using scopes and cameras to look in the nose. And typically we don't do anything to clean the nose before we put those instruments in a patient's nostrils. And so what we are learning, and I've worked closely with Gail and with NasoClins over the last two or three years, we're really seeing how we can impact positively the nose itself and all of the bacteria in particular, but all kinds of organisms uh, that our procedures could be bringing from the front where they really aren't causing much of a problem, but pushing them further back into the nostril where they might be causing a problem. So uh, again, this NasoCleanse product, and I've been fortunate to study it in sleep patients and allergy patients, is really changing the way we look at this problem, but also changing the way for the better uh, patients do after these types of procedures. You see, this is what I was talking with Dr. Gale about when we first started our strategy meeting of why we wanted you to be part of this network. This is the kind of people you're bringing our pharmacists um, this information from directly. And here's why that's important because now insert, and I wish I was a farm. I can be 10. I'm a, I'm a pretend farm D in, in pod in, in I'm a pod D instead of a farm. D. <laughs> so I'll be, I'll be the pretend pharmacist. But when the two of you are speaking for specific issues, whether that's respiratory um, disease or sinus issues or sleep apnea or, you know, cold symptom, or I mean, people that suffer from colds on more frequent basis, my goodness, in the hands of a pharmacist to take it another level to let them know what other products that they should now be more sensitive of. It's going to absorb better because your uh, nose is now cleaned out. So there's going to probably be more meaningfulness to the usage of products. These products could be um, prescribed or they could be some of the over-counter. It doesn't matter. The medication experts are there to put these pieces of puzzles together. So I'm going to turn it back to Gail. I want you to kind of dig into a conversation together to kind of set the stage for other things that we'll be talking about um, on the new Nasal Cleanse podcast. 
Well, I want to bring something up that actually came up out of the blue this morning. Uh, I ran into an ENT physician who specializes in migraine headaches. Mm. And now, Keith, you may know about this, but I sure didn't know anything about this. And he's treating them with intranasal lidocaine. And I immediately started thinking about all the compound pharmacies and how we could deliver that because listen to this, he's putting it on cotton. So he's taking 4% lidocaine, putting it on a cotton ball and shoving it up the nose and leaving it in there to deposit that medication, which does work apparently for migraines. So that was something new I had not heard of. And when he saw our applicator, he immediately thought of what we've already thought of, which this would be a great delivery drug delivery system. Especially since it's cleaner than the average cotton ball out of a bag, right? And I just found that interesting. Well, we get away with that because the nose is not very clean. Even when we're doing surgery in the hospital, it's hard to prep it. You know, anyone who's watched Mm -hmm. a a medical show knows that you you usually prep a, a part of the body before you make an incision on it with betadine or something else. We can't really do that in the nose. Um, we, we could squirt it in there, but it could be dangerous to the structures in the nose, like the nerve of smell or the eye. Yeah. But Ooh. also because of what you just described, Yale, the nose is an excellent way to absorb medication, even into the central nervous system. That's why recreational drugs are often delivered nasally, but for bringing it back to mainstream medicine, Absolutely. And those listening to this podcast know how closely the average ENT physician works with independent pharmacies, compounding pharmacies, and all the various concoctions and witches brews that we make to treat our patients and manage them on a, on a chronic basis um, to manage their sinus and allergy disease primarily. Yeah. So the nose is a great way. And in this room where we're sitting and recording this, Uh, There are many companies that are taking advantage of the nose for medical delivery, topical drug delivery. Yeah. Along those lines, I I wanted to kind of pick your brain a little bit um, in regards to air quality and air pollution. You know, something that we all deal with. But I don't know if you saw there was a recent article that came out about the air quality across Europe. And I was stunned to read that the World Health Organization has looked at this and they stated that 98% of Europeans are exposed to toxins in the air above the approved level. And they are linking that to approximately 400,000 deaths across Europe. I was blown away hearing all these kinds statistics. Of what the hell? All, yeah, all kinds of diseases before death, right? Uh, <laughs> irritation of the respiratory tract from stem to stern. So it's not just about the death, which is terrible, but how many hundreds of thousands <laughs> or point. more? That's a bad endpoint. Yeah, yeah that's a bad endpoint that you learn at day one of medical school. Death is bad. Quality of life, I think, is how we measure that now. <laughs> I can only imagine other things that can be tied into this. Um, I think my own sleep, um, uh, Dr. Gill, I have told the story already on This Week in Pharmacy, which is a program we're going to have to have the both of you on. Um, but I want to make a note. When I started using NasoCleanse for myself, I sleep better because I'm breathing better at night than what I'm doing before I started. And I've started it. I've, I've been doing this now, Gail, for about six weeks. 
Oh, that's great. You know, I really want to make sure that we don't focus on just the product, but it's yeah. hard not to because what happens is the touch points. There's so many touch points that impact uh, the human body when you do clean the nose. And that's kind of what I've learned through this experience. It's like it started out as something very simple, but yet people with allergies, CPAP users, sleep. And Keith, I'd love to hear yeah. more about the impact on sleep, on how a important sleep is and just to our daily function and um, just your thoughts about people with sleep apnea. Oh, you shouldn't have brought that up because that's, you know, <laughs> that's my Let's crusade. Go it's Let's my go crusade. deep. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Todd, I'm glad you're experiencing the beneficial effects of using nasoclins nightly. Yeah. We've seen that in a variety of patients. And we attribute that. We aren't sure. I mean, uh, we attribute that to two things. One, the physical the antiseptic effects that nasoclins has. It really does clean the nose. But then two, the moisturization, the, the vehicle mm. that, that Gail and her team deliver this antiseptic uh, component is also so beneficial. So I was fortunate to participate in trials, as I mentioned, for allergy patients, as well as sleep apnea patients, specifically those that are using the CPAP machine. And we saw dramatic benefits in both populations. Let me talk about sleep for two seconds here, maybe a little longer than two seconds. Mm -hmm. So there's over 8 billion people walking around our planet and probably 25% of those people have diagnosable sleep apnea. For those who may not be familiar, sleep apnea is really one of the most severe diseases that an ear, nose, and throat doctor takes care of with a lot of mortality, as we were joking about a second ago, but even much more morbidity. So decreased quality of life in other disease states before somebody dies from it. What sleep apnea is, is a situation where your airway is collapsing repetitively while you're asleep. And so you're spending a lot of the night with oxygen levels that are dangerously low and then having head-to-toe implications from that hypoxia, the low oxygen. And your nervous system, your cardiovascular system, your endocrine system, on and on and on. And so anything that we can do to keep the airway open, such as using a pressure machine like a CPAP, even using the nasocleanse like you are, Todd, that decreases the severity of this disease has major lifelong implications, longevity of life and quality of life. So it's not, many people think of this disease as a nuisance for somebody's bed partner snoring. It's way more than that. And so we have been so excited and, and many companies in this room, same, have been very excited to see the positive effects that NasoCleanse has on sleep. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> I want to make have a, started it. You shouldn't have started it, Gail. You know me and sleep. <laughs> I wanted to make another point, which is the um, allergens, and you had made yeah. um, reference to your, you know, Europe, but this is everywhere. Okay, and and here's the thing with regards to pollution and 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 different being in some of the inner cities and inner states. If I if I needed to use a Flonase, and I needed a pharmacist to consult with me, and they told me how to use this. If I were to clean out my nose first before I started to try to use Flonase, 
I'm going to get a better absorption of Flonase. Um, and I, this isn't proven. I'm not a scientist, so I can say this as a consumer. I've experimented with my inhaler. Um, it was for um, to open up my nasal passages because sometimes they kind of feel like shut. And there's a big difference. Like I said, when I use it, I use it about every other day, nasal cleanse every other day. And sure enough, I feel like I'm getting more of that medication. You're, you're spot on. So if you think of it as when we do any kind of cleansing of the nose, even if it's saline spray, but certainly with nasal cleanse with the antiseptic effects, you're just getting a fresh palate before you instill another medication. So again, since we're talking to professional pharmacists here, I think we should really all ENT physicians, pharmacists, recommend this type of procedure, including nasal cleanse, but whether it's saline, whatever, to clean the mucosal surfaces, the lining of the nose before we're instilling medication. Again, I'm partial based on the results that I've seen in my own clinical trials to the nasal cleanse product, but we don't want to sit here and sound like this is a commercial for that. We're just very enthusiastic for the data that we've, we've seen. But absolutely right. There, it makes no sense to me for uh, our professionals to mix up a, a compounded antifungal you know, steroid antibiotic concoction and then in a sterile fashion and then squirt it into a filthy nose, uh, especially for someone that's chronically infected. That doesn't make any sense. And so I, I think this needs to be the new standard. And for those suffering with allergies, you know, I part of the reasons I practice in Dallas is because the air quality is bad, the allergies are bad. So it's good for business, right? And I, I say that jokingly. Um, but it is a bad part of the world. And these things really make a difference in these patients that suffer on a daily or at least a seasonal basis. Couple of questions I have on that. Has anyone ever cultured the front of the nose and compared it to what's in the sinuses? Like, That's a great are these the same bugs, you know, that we're seeing? Yeah, That's one little, question. It's a little more complex, but yeah, go ahead and ask the second, Will. Yeah, no, no, go. So uh, this is a bigger topic. We've learned during the pandemic that, uh, the, well, we've honed our techniques in using PCR specifically looking at RNA or in some cases DNA of the actual bugs that are in the nose, um, specifically the COVID virus, but we've also learned other things. So when we talk about culturing the sinuses, Gail, a lot of times what we've been taught are causing sinus problems may or may not be the, the real problem. It's just what we can actually culture. So now that we've, what actually grows in a Petri dish, right? And now that we have, uh, perfected the ability to take specimens and do PCR from the sinus cavities, we're seeing a whole host of other bugs that are actually the pr problem, the things that would never grow off of a Q-tip and then rubbed on a Petri dish. So that data actually does correlate with, with what we're harvesting from the front of the nose. So then it stands to good reason to common sense that if we're cutting down the bacterial and viral counts at the front of the nose, that further back in the nose is also going to be more healthy. There just isn't the pathogen, there isn't the organism to cause problems posteriorly if we eliminate it anteriorly. Interesting. Well, one of the other things that I've been thinking about for 
you know, a long time and why we started this company really was the whole idea of beginning to treat more locally, right? And I see that. I, I see that as a very clear path in the nose. And we've seen that here at the meeting. I mean, I think there's clear a interest. Big push in our field, yeah. Big push, and now I don't. Uh, the FDA came out with this advisory committee that has looked at phenylephrine, and it looks like they're going to pull oral decongestants that contain yeah. phenylephrine. What do you think? Do you think they're going to yeah. pull them? Uh, yeah, I, I I wouldn't be surprised, <laughs> you know, um, but. That's not necessarily a bad idea. Phenylephrine is different. I mean, a lot of people think of that as just a nasal decongestant, but it's very active. Our, our anesthesiologists, for example, hate that when we use that in the OR because it's making a patient's blood mm -hmm. pressure and, and their heart rhythms go haywire. So what people think is an equivalent, afrin or oxymetazoline, is not. It's a totally different chemical, and that is much safer. Uh, it's absorbed, it's not absorbed by the nose. And so it works locally. But phenylephrine, absolutely. Um, that's potentially a cardiovascularly very dangerous drug. Yeah, it was really interesting. And Todd, I don't know if you saw this article, um, but basically the FDA put together an advisory committee to take a look at this issue in oral decongestants. And they also compared it to uh, local phenylephrine in the nose, which does work very effectively and probably is, a, yeah. is a, but it's probably a much better way of delivering it than orally because yeah. Yeah. the study showed if you give it orally in a tablet or whatever, only 1% of it ever makes its way to the nasal mucosa. So, you know, right. you're, you're getting right. a, a dose of a drug, as you mentioned, that has a lot of other effects in the body, including hypertension and cardiovascular effects. And um, I think there's a good chance they're going to they're going to pull phenylephrine from the shelves. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the best thing uh, the pharmacist will laugh at this. The best thing that we've used as a specialty to decongest and anesthetize the nose is cocaine. Uh, but that fell out of favor <laughs> over the years. So I've, I haven't probably used it since I was here in Nashville as a resident at Vanderbilt uh, or even earlier because uh, people would steal it from the OR. In fact, <laughs> the the office oh that uh, that I work in where, where Gail also practiced by the same hospital uh, was broken into. There was an article in the Dallas Morning News 30 years ago or so about uh, ENTs using cocaine. Uh, not personally, I mean, using it in their patients. Mm -hmm. And so that very night, that Sunday night, our office was broken into. But that oh, hammered home, uh, what the take home from that is kind of how we started this recording. The nose is a fantastic place to absorb medication. Mm -hmm. But if we are going to continue to expand our local drug delivery, our topical drug delivery there, I think it's just common sense that that has to be clean, clean it out before doing so. Clean it out. Clean and it I, out. I do agree. I think um, the pathway's clear and it's upwards and onwards, straight through the nose for all sorts of things. I, I think the nose Above the deserves, yes, the nose deserves more respect than it has gotten. So. 
thank you, Todd, for right. for having us here at, yeah, while we're I'm at the convention. Excited. I'm excited that you guys get to cover this event because I, I wanna I want more pharmacists to realize there's opportunities for more collaboration with ENT and um in with nasocleanse and and we expect oh, you to absolutely. become both of absolutely. you. I want you to return because I think we can do an expansive discussion with pharmacists that focus on um nasal health and and lung health and COPD. Exactly. Well, what I'm saying is that'll really give us a, a collaborative opportunity to bring in pharmacists who really concentrate on this. That would be great because, uh, you know, there's so much more that we haven't touched on. The nose is definitely the gateway to our lungs, our respiratory system, yes. where we're, you know, exchanging vital oxygen into into the bloodstream. And that's ground zero. So mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to bringing some pharmacists on, as well as ENTs, allergists, pediatricians. So we have, be... a, we have a migraine initiative. So I want to tie you into that because we yeah. have to have this as part of the migraine discussion. For yeah, that's sure. very interesting data, Todd. Yeah, that's, that's worth its own discussion too, probably. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, we're, we're going to bring you both back. I guarantee it. So in Nashville, uh, or, right? Or, hey, where, wherever. <laughs> okay, Why don't you guys I'll, come I'll, up to the podcast studio? Yeah, I'll come here anytime. Okay. You got, you got it. Well, thank you so much, Todd. Thank you. Thank you, thank you Todd. You. Thank you, Gail. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for enjoy, taking the time. Enjoy the rest of this conference that you're at covering uh, this event for, oh, for Nashville. One other thing we need to talk about. Yes. The ENT Entrepreneur Face-Off, which is tonight. That's right. Yes. And uh, Keith, thank you for inviting me to be a judge. Can you tell us a little bit about the Face-Off? Yeah. Really fun. So those of us that love Shark Tank, the TV show, we <laughs> have created that within this academy. And so this year, we're so excited. It's the third year we've done it. Uh, so we sent out uh, communiques to all of our membership. There's about 11,000 ENT physicians in the United States and thousands, thousands more around the world. And we received 32 applications of early stage ideas. So ideas that are not yet commercial, but maybe pretty close. And we narrowed it down to three exciting companies. And so tonight, those three uh, companies will make their pitches to ENT physicians and to people like Gail, who will be judging them and awarding some prizes. Uh, so it's just a, it's a fun event. And we're really trying to foster the entrepreneurial spirit within the ENT physician community. So cool. Awesome. Well, I thank you both for bringing us this information. It's the only way we would get it is with our um, clients and partners uh, giving us such good content. So I want to thank you both for this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.